Hey, this is Chris from Lenore City, Tennessee. And when I'm out jogging down the greenway getting ready for my next half marathon, I always listen to I Doubt with Dollamore. Not because I like the show, but because nothing makes me run faster to get done than listening to you. But Brittany is the best part. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome to this 206th installment. That doesn't sound right. Of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And across from me, Brittany Page. Hello. I, I, I dispensed with all of the, the, the fluffery. You know, I like it. <laughs> I really like it. You like it better? Just, I just do. say who you are. Yeah, just not get to the point. lovely and talented. No, I don't need any of that. Not snacking on her salad. I don't need you to, you know, cramp my style. <laughs> Cramp? What does that mean? Yeah, give everyone the deets. <laughs> no one needs to know what I'm snacking on. Right. And I right. don't have any snacks today. Well, to start the show today, I would like to talk about a party that Brittany and I attended very recently. And it's not so much the this particular party. It's just parties in general. There's always a a multiplicity of different people and types mm-hmm. at, when you gather people together. Yes, of course. This one, though, was especially different because it was a surprise party. So mm-hmm. we showed up about, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour early to make sure that uh, all of the arrangements work, you know, they worked out. You don't, you're not showing up the same time as the the surprise E right because you're a surpriser mm-hmm. you know what I mean yes well this particular party we we didn't know anyone there except for the surprise E mm-hmm. and <laughs> while waiting all of these different people and groups started showing up and I guess party eavesdropping could be could be the name of this particular intro segment and uh well, let's put it this well, way. Well, it wasn't really eavesdropping because people were talking very loudly. Right, right, right. But we're not in the conversation and we're listening to a conversation that's taking place that isn't ours to, to okay, be a part but, of. Okay, but these particular people were like very proud of what they were talking about. So it was almost oh, yeah. like they were kind of showing off their knowledge let's, let's for get, the room. Let's get into that. It was religious people who were explaining. Well, let's just put it this way. The, the, the phrase... The... <laughs> <laughs> the phrase the bible has a more nuanced view of slavery was said in the context of well at the time all of the other different legal systems and civilizations surrounding the 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 people of the old testament they were much harsher about slavery than than in the bible mm-hmm. and Brittany and i are listening to this and looking at each other with Kind of a weird confluence of horror and amusement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never, 
I've never heard that before. That oh, I mean, I probably have heard it before, but I've never heard it with my ears. Well, the direct quote was the Bible presents a more nuanced view of slavery. Right. Nuanced. A more nuanced view of slavery? From the creator. What's a nuanced view of the universe? Of slavery. <laughs> right. Seems like it's a pretty clear cut thing. It's okay to own people. Period. Or it's not okay. <laughs> well, not according to the Bible. Right, but, you know. Mor- the Bible, it's A-OK. Slavery, good to go. For morality's sake, it is right. not okay. Right. There's no nuanced view that needs to be taken into consideration. Slavery, it's- bad. Yes, that's it. It's pretty simple. Right. There's you don't no need a nuanced view. Zero nuance to be yeah. had. If someone is doing work for you. They should be paid. They should not be owned in order to do that work. It was interesting being on the sidelines of this conversation because the the religious people were saying they use the word progressive at some point. They said the Bible has a a more progressive view. That's right. And the person they were talking to said, "Okay, I'm kind of confused by your use of the word progressive. When talking about the Bible in slavery. And um, that person who was questioning them was earnest. She was earnestly wanting to get to the bottom of it. It wasn't, she didn't have an axe to grind at all. Right. It wasn't said in the tone that I just used. She was flummoxed. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Very weird. But then the other thing about going to parties like this is the fact that you end up talking to people. Well, it's just kind of odd. Like the person you were talking to and... Every time you get in a group of people, they always ask, oh, what do you do? What do you do? What's your occupation? And Brittany's explaining that she's going to grad school. Yeah. And I said, I'm working on my master's in clinical psychology, working as a marriage and family therapist trainee. And um, the person I was talking to said, well, you know, are you sure that you're going to be able to get a job? Because a lot of people, they get these fancy degrees and then they can't find a job. And I also went on to say that they went to school for one year and got a job right away. Yeah. So which is like red flags for you. Oh, my God. You you might as well go into whatever field they were in (laughs) because this this quote unquote fancy schmancy degree, it might lead you to a path of ruin. Right. It's not as though I chose a field that I wanted to be in for a reason. Right, right. Um, I just want a quote-unquote fancy degree. (laughs) So I naturally just like nodded. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to get a job. Don't know. You know, I mean, what what am I supposed to say to that? You're already working in the field. I was was very confused. (laughs) Anyway, I just... Parties are weird because... I never really find a lot of normal or what I would consider normal people. Well, it makes me think of how often I've said dumb things to people at parties and they sit around like they leave the party and they're like, oh, this idiot said this to me. I wonder how many times (laughs) I've done that to somebody. There has to be a time where I've been completely clueless and said something dumb. You know, right. So I understand it happens. You know, it's an awkward situation, maybe, and something awkward is said. I don't know, but it was very weird to deal with what was going on. Well, it was just an odd group of people. It's just interesting to me when you go to a party, especially a party like this, where there are so many different groups from different aspects of the of the surprisee of of his life. Mm -hmm. You've got the religious people who are 
you know, attached to him, him and his life somehow. And then you've got his work people, and then you've got family. Mm-hmm. It just it's like worlds colliding. Yeah, it, it wasn't all different kinds of people. Like where we were sitting, and, and then also th- there's the segregation aspect where people just they naturally kind of flow to their own little area. Like the religious table was the religious table. It wasn't mixed in with <laughs> yeah. the, the work group. No, no. <laughs> well, you you go where you're comfortable. Yeah, I guess so. So anyway, good time. Um, always a good time. Just kind of an interesting social commentary, for, I guess. For, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, before we move on, I want to drop the phone number, 657-464-7609, of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Before we move on, I would like to read, well, I'm not going to read it, <laughs> but an email from a listener. Greetings, Jesse and Brittany. The great shows keep coming from you two. The CNN clip featuring Stephen Miller in episode 205 was quite illustrative of the technique Drumpf and his team employ. You know, <laughs> the one where a person... Hang on, hang on. I don't want to be laughing over your... This Drumpf thing still makes me laugh. I still... I think it's genius and it's funny. So anyway, sorry, I don't want to interrupt the, the, the email. Go ahead. You know, the one where a person spews so much bullshit in 30 seconds that one's opposition cannot possibly shovel it all up in their allotted time. (laughs) Works great for shows like today's news panels where people each speak for 30 seconds while a traffic cop masquerading as a host tries in vain to keep the conversation relevant. I believe it is known as the Gish Gallop, a term coined to describe the maneuvers of one Dwayne Gish. A creationist biochemist, what? Who frequently <laughs> used the method when debating creation slash evolution with people who actually knew what the fuck they were saying. This same maneuver has been seen by the likes of Dinesh D'Souza while facing such formidable opponents as Hitch. It's the very reason people were apprehensive when Bill Nye was discussing debating Ken Ham. Parenthetically, were you there regarding the creation museum it allows an illegitimate ignorant vapid empty suit to occupy the same footing as an actual authority on the topic du jour stated another way if you can dazzle them with brilliance baffle them with bullshit regards adam i agree so that was like a poem the the email was uh-huh. like a poem yes very poetic yes it was very beautifully written <laughs> Well, we've got smart fucking listeners. What can I say? So that should be published somewhere. All right. Well, it it will be here. If someone transcripts this episode, it will indeed be published. No one's going to take the time to do that. (laughs) Nor should they. Thank you, Adam, for emailing us. I appreciate it very much. And you're absolutely right. And it's also kind of the caveat. It's the the, the one side of the two-edged sword of cable news that you you really do want the conversation to be had, but oftentimes it devolves into a screaming match or each person just getting their allotted 35 or 40 seconds to to say their talking points, which really doesn't help fucking anyone. So thanks for emailing. Again, I doubt it at dollamore.com. All right, let's get into a little follow-up here. We've got three different topics I want to cover We've been talking about these religious liberty bills, these bills that masquerade to protect people in bathrooms and what have you from perverts in bathrooms. What they actually are 
are measures to stifle the privacy and security of transgender individuals. Well, there was a, a bill in Georgia, and the governor decided at the pressure of big business, all of you who are always against big business, <laughs> well, they forced his hand and he vetoed the bill. From Georgia now, the governor bowing to pressure from big businesses, vetoing a religious liberty bill that opponents say would have allowed Georgians to discriminate against gay and transgender people. But tonight, conservatives insisting it's their rights that are being abused. Here's ABC's Steve Osinsami now. Tonight across the country, Georgia's conservative governor in this deep red state has won both new friends and new enemies. Georgia is a welcoming state. For weeks, more than two dozen big-name companies were threatening him, promising to walk away billions from Georgia in movie-making and other business if he signed his name to a bill that would allow any faith-based business to refuse service to gay couples. Corporate America felt the law would legalize discrimination against gay residents, and the governor agreed. I do not think that we have to discriminate against anyone to protect the faith-based community in Georgia, of which I and my family have been a part of for all of our lives. Since the U.S. Supreme Court made gay marriage legal nationwide last summer, religious groups and lawmakers have moved the battle home. What happened in Georgia today is proof that big business can make a big difference. Some of these faith-based groups here in Georgia say they're not done. If not this governor, then the next. David? Steve, thank you. I think that's the more apt descriptor to give these groups. Faith-based groups. Don't call them conservative. They're not fucking conservative. I am conservative. This isn't conservatism. This is fear and hate. That is what this is. Well, people have been saying that you're seeing a divide in the Republican Party. Absolutely. Those who are advancing this quote-unquote religious liberty narrative and those who are wanting to separate themselves and just go with what is right in terms of social issues. Yeah. Well, it, it could also be said that is people who are advancing in age, mm-hmm. who are through attrition and just uh, mortality, they're dying off. And then the people who are more enlightened and understanding of science, more respectful of data and research and the facts of the matter. Millennials, I've said it before, 58% of Republican millennials are A-OK with gay marriage, are A-OK with marriage equality. 58%. That's not 58% of just generally millennials. That's Republican millennials. So this divide in the Republican Party that we're seeing across the spectrum in this political, in this political season is uh, it's killing what we know is the Republican Party right now. So even though it was big business that forced his hand, you know, Disney, Apple, Time Warner, Intel, um, even the NFL warned that it could be risking the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so even though it was the big businesses that forced his hand, eh, he still did the right thing. That's right. Well, listen, no matter the reason, the outcome that we wanted yes. happened. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of people, well, he didn't do it for the right, blah, blah. Listen, it doesn't matter what his motives if the outcome is what we wanted. And look at everybody rising up 
It made a difference. Everyone speaking out against it, calling his office, sending him emails. I mean, they cited the amount of communication they got as something that helped sway him. Right. So using your voice and rising up and and saying this is an injustice and it's wrong. This is also capitalism in action. The, The free market raised its ugly head and spoke and... It shut the fucking governor down and it shut this bullshit down because they, they they stood to lose billions of dollars. I mean, just one TV show in particular, The Walking Dead, is filmed in Georgia and they were going to pull up stakes and go somewhere else. That's not good for a state. That, that pulls out all kinds of jobs, all kinds of revenue. It, it trickles down even into restaurants and hotels Everything gets affected. So Republican state lawmakers are saying the fight is not over and that they are calling for a special session to override the veto. Yeah, at their own peril. So anyway, the other thing, not the other, the the second of three, (laughs) is the FBI who has been crying and whining about getting the cell phone unlocked and even taking Apple to court to do so has now, huh, mysteriously cracked the phone without Apple's help. The mystery may be solved over the events that led the FBI to drop its legal action against Apple. It appears that investigators turned overseas for help hacking into an iPhone used by one of the San Bernardino attackers without Apple's assistance. NBC News national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has more. Four months after the San Bernardino terror attack, investigators finally have access to the work cell phone of gunman Syed Farouk. According to industry sources, the FBI has been getting help from this Israeli company, Celebrite, experts in mobile forensics with tools to extract and decode data from the iPhone 5C. The Justice Department now dropping its court case against Apple. It's not just about this one phone, it's about everyone's phones. This is the processor. Daniel Gilmore, a tech expert with the ACLU, says many knowledgeable hackers could have gained access. If someone has physical access to a device and they have an unlimited amount of time and money, then they will get to the data that's on that device. Gilmore says the FBI was trying to set precedent by going public, taking Apple to court. Across the country, law enforcement has hundreds of cases from crimes where investigators desperately want access inside locked smartphones. Apple says the company will continue to work with investigators, but people around the world deserve data protection, security, and privacy. The FBI assistant director in charge, David Bowditch, says, I am satisfied that we have access to more answers than we did before. The FBI has now shown that there's a a way of getting in and that will make people feel insecure. Tonight, it's unclear what information, if any, will come from Syed Farouk's iPhone and whether the FBI will now tell Apple how it hacked it so the tech giant can make the rest of their devices, used by hundreds of millions of us, more secure. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Los Angeles. So this is good news on everybody's part, I think. Although, I mean, it's good news for Apple that the lawsuit has been dropped and they're not being forced. Their hand is not being forced to create new software with a backdoor for the FBI and the NSA and the CIA and any other law enforcement uh, agency that wants in. And it's also good news for the FBI that the investigation can go forward 
and any information that was problematic on the phone will be had. So that's all good. I think it's a little fishy, though. Yeah, I'm not very conspiratorial, but I got an AP news alert the other day, Mm -hmm. and it said... On your iPhone. Yeah. (laughs) And it said, oh, the FBI has figured out a way to do it. And I just looked at the alert, and I thought... Yeah, I, I just, I kind of believe that they could do it the whole time. Right. But. I've been saying that. Why would they make a fuss about it? That's kind of the lingering question I have. Why would they bring attention to it? Why wouldn't they, if they had the ability to get into it this whole time, just do that then? Well, because because they want to make it look like they don't have the ability to do so. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is just a total conspiracy theory, though. Yeah. Now that I'm speaking it out loud, yeah. it is kind of like, <laughs> come on, don't be a fucking idiot. <laughs> I don't know. Because why, why cause the dust up? Why cause the trouble? It right. sounds, you know, the most simple explanation probably is the most, is the, the, the correct one. And that doesn't sound very simple. That sounds very complex to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also drawing attention to themselves. Yeah. I mean, you, sure. you think you wouldn't want to draw attention to it. So nonetheless, the lawsuit is dropped. And they are moving forward with the investigation. So that, I guess, is good news. We'll see what comes of that. In other news, Bill Cosby is under scrutiny again. No, no, we don't answer that. It, it seems as though Janice Dickinson, who has a, I guess, defamation lawsuit. She has some sort of lawsuit filed against Bill Cosby and his legal team when they maligned her, calling her a liar and all this when she brought her her allegations to, to light. It is a defamation lawsuit. And a judge has ruled that that lawsuit can move forward. Just one day after former supermodel Janice Dickinson told the world she's battling breast cancer, she won a big victory in court. Her lawsuit against Bill Cosby can move forward. This is a victory for all women. I will not go down. A judge ruled that Dickinson's defamation lawsuit against Cosby will proceed. Cosby's lawyer had sought to dismiss it. Dickinson filed the suit last year after the comedian's legal team called her a liar, denying her allegation that Cosby drugged and raped her back in the 1980s. So, that is good news because they're going to depose Bill Cosby. They're going to have the ability to sit down and ask him questions under oath, and he's going to either have to take the fifth and look like a fucking lying rapist, or he's going to have to answer and look like a lying rapist. So <laughs> I I hope that the person that has written that negative review of the show isn't listening right now because they really hate when we talk about Bill Cosby. You know what? So does Bill Cosby. <laughs> no, no, we don't answer that. <laughs> All right. Let's move on with the remainder of the program. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. And again, and always, 
We appreciate all of our Patreon supporters very much. You guys mean the world to us. And every penny you give goes a long, long way towards supporting the show. So rest assured, it is not wasted. It is appreciated very, very much. All right. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Corey Lewandowski, the campaign manager for Donald Trump, the guy with the faux military haircut, the I used to be a Marine high and tight haircut, who denied having jerked the arm of a Breitbart reporter. A former. Bru- former, former Breitbart reporter. Because her employer did not support her. That's right. And bruising her arm. Well, it looks like that's not maybe the case. Right. He's been charged with one count of simple battery for intentionally touching Michelle Fields. Donald Trump's campaign manager under fire tonight, charged with battery. Trump defending him. That manager, Corey Lewandowski, Trump's most trusted advisor, now facing a criminal charge. Police say he grabbed a reporter at a campaign event. Tonight, images from newly released video, the reporter wearing white there. You can see Donald Trump, Lewandowski behind them, the battery charge coming just today. The video appearing to show Lewandowski reaching in and tonight Donald Trump with a very different version of what happened. ABC's Jonathan Carl takes us through the video and Trump's response tonight. Tonight, Donald Trump is standing by his embattled campaign manager. And I know it'd be very easy for me to discard people. I don't discard people. I stay with people. It comes after police released that new video taken from an overhead security camera at Trump's own golf club. There's Trump making his way through the crowd. Reporter Michelle Fields by his side in the light-colored jacket. Campaign manager Corey Lewandowski right behind him. Now watch as Fields tries to ask a question. Lewandowski moves forward, appearing to grab her and pull her back away from Trump. Look closer as Lewandowski reaches for the reporter, gripping her arm. I felt someone uh, pull me from behind. Uh, I caught myself and didn't fall to the floor. I mean, it felt like a, it was a huge force, like the person was trying to get me on the ground. The campaign manager called Fields delusional and insisted he never touched her, that he never even met her. And shortly after the incident, so, Trump himself seemed to agree. But the Secret Service was surrounding everybody. They said nothing happened. Everybody said nothing happened. Perhaps she made the story up. I think that's what happened. But today, that security video led the Jupiter, Florida Police Department to charge Lewandowski with battery, saying it shows he grabbed Fields' left arm against her will. This is the consequence of the culture of the Trump campaign, uh, the abusive culture. If I was in this circumstance, I would take I would take some sort of action, either suspension or firing. But Lewandowski is more than a campaign manager. He is almost always right by Trump's side. And shortly after the incident, Trump gave him a shout out as a form of support. Corey, good job, Corey. Good job. He's also been going into the crowds to shut down protesters. Video shot by CNN in Tucson appears to show him grabbing a protester. He denied it. And through it all, Trump has stood by him. Today calling Lewandowski, quote, a very decent man. Corey's a fine person. She was actually, if you look at her, my look, and according to a lot of people, she's grabbing at me. And he's acting as an intermediary and trying to block her from doing that. If you look at that tape, 
He was very, very seriously maligned, and I think it's very unfair. And outside Trump's event tonight, new tensions. A 15-year-old protester was pepper sprayed as she clashed with Trump supporters. David, Corey Lewandowski has been ordered to appear in court down in Florida on May 4th to answer these charges. The campaign says he will enter a plea of not guilty, saying, quote, he is absolutely innocent of this charge and completely confident he will be exonerated. So this situation is very disturbing because you have a leading presidential candidate yeah. who is essentially denying what is very visible on the videotape. Now, if you've watched the videotapes, um, now if you've watched the videotapes, it's probably been a little unclear. But there was a new videotape that came out that is startling, and it is from like a roof view, like it might be in the corner of a ceiling. It, it's from the top down, so you can see over everybody's heads what's right. happening. There's nothing obscuring anything. No, and it is crystal clear what happens in that video. Right, it is very clear. So he does grab her. He does pull her back. You can see it in the video. It's crystal clear, seriously. Listen, he's a skinny little wannabe tough guy douchebag who put his hands on a woman who was doing nothing but her job. She's a reporter, and she was a reporter for a conservative news outlet, Breitbart. It's not like MSNBC. It's not like the Daily Kos. She She's a reporter for a right wing, maybe even farther right than Fox News. So Jesse's pretty riled up about this. It, um, makes, it pisses me off. So Corey Lewandowski tweeted shortly after this happened, shortly after he was accused. Okay. It's been a couple days. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, there was a time lapse between the time that this happened and th- that he's been arrested. So back on March 10th, he tweeted to Michelle Fields and said, you are totally delusional. I never touched you. As a matter of fact, I have never even met you. Right. Now, this is disgusting because it is very clear that he touches her on the video it is crystal clear on the video it is a he snatches her arm in a violent manner he jerks her back and they have multiple forms of evidence that supported this charge which is there's a recorded conversation between Michelle Fields and someone who works for another organization. Washington Post, I think. And they're talking about what just happened. She said, whoa, did you see that? And, and the guy says, yeah, he he grabbed you. And she says, I almost like fell back. I can't believe he grabbed me. You should have felt how hard he grabbed my arm. Right. And they're talking about it right after it happened. So they have audio of that. They have the video of it happening. I mean... It's it's it open happened. and shut. It happened. And now Donald Trump is trying to muddy the waters by saying shit like, oh, well, she had a pen in her hand. Was that a knife? We don't know what that is. Even if that's the case, it's not your job, Corey Lewandowski, to be grabbing reporters and obstructing them from their First Amendment rights under the Constitution. If there was a security threat, he has a very capable Secret Service detail to do that. They don't need you and your fake bullshit military haircut intervening. So CNN held a town hall yesterday and Anderson Cooper moderated it. And this was a topic of conversation for all of the candidates, John Kasich, Ted Cruz, and Donald Trump. They asked all of them if this had happened, well, not Donald Trump. They asked Ted Cruz and John Kasich. If this <laughs> had it did happen with right, Donald Trump. <laughs> if this had happened with your campaign manager, if your campaign manager was charged with simple battery 
and this was a conversation that was happening, would you fire your campaign manager? And both Ted Cruz and John Kasich said, yes. Yeah. Yes, I would. Ted Cruz has already let people go who did things. There was the guy who doctored the video to make it look like, or doctored the audio of a video to make that made it look like Marco Rubio said, you won't find the answers to what you're looking for in the Bible. Like mm-hmm. some ridiculous thing. And of course, pastor in chief, Marco Rubio is not going to say. Right. And Ted Cruz shit the guy. So right. that's what you do. Even if the candidate knows of what's going on, he has plausible deniability. And that's why they do that. But that's the way it works. You don't stand by your man when he's assaulting female reporters. But Donald Trump isn't just standing by Corey Lewandowski. He's going so far as to say, should I sue Michelle Fields? Oh, yeah. She was coming up to me, grabbing at me, asking questions. that's the other thing. She didn't grab him. You can see all these still frames that I've seen. Her hand, the back of her hand, is facing the the outside of his arm. She's not grabbing at him at all. She's just sidled up to him and next to him standing. Right, because she's holding a pen in her hand. Right. And her hand is around the pen. Well, he had this to say aboard one of his ridiculous planes covered in gold. <laughs> <laughs> and he gave a statement. I can only say Corey's a fine person. I looked at the tape, but the tapes were supplied by me. You know, those tapes, just so you understand. This is a very high-end club, and we had tapes all over the place, and we supplied those tapes. Uh, And those tapes, to me, are very conclusive. A lot of people are uh, looking and saying, how can anybody be charged? She She was actually, if you look at her, my book, and according to a lot of people, she's grabbing at me. And he's acting as an intermediary and trying to block her from doing that. The news conference was over. It was done. It was finished. And she was running up and grabbing and asking questions. And she wasn't supposed to be doing that. Uh, And I think he should. I told him, I said, you should never settle this case. You should go all the way. I think they've really hurt a very good person. And I know it'd be very easy for me to discard people. I don't discard people. Except for all of my ex-wives and mistresses. Here's the deal. He says she wasn't supposed to be doing that. And by doing that, he means asking questions at that time. So what's, I mean, what's the most reasonable punishment? What's the most reasonable outcome when you ask a question when you're not supposed to? Battery, right? You have to be assaulted. Well, that's the only that's the only rational explanation. This is kind of a theme with Donald Trump, right? When he talks about the protesters being elbowed in the face, he'll say, "Well, did you see what their sign said?" Right, like that's a justification. Yeah, what does it matter what the sign said? Someone was assaulted. God damn! You can't physically assault someone for holding a sign that says something. Right. (laughs) Even if the sign says "fuck you," you don't get to hit them. Even if someone says F you, right. you don't get to hit them. Right. The other thing that's so peculiar about this knucklehead, Donald Trump, is everything turns into a fucking commercial for him. I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a very nice hey, place. You know, hey, look, I, I supplied, the, you know, the cameras. The, I, su- I supplied the footage. Yeah, the, my clubs, they're really great, beautiful. Lots of cameras, lots of security. Good, good times. It's really good. Believe me. Believe me. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't have to do with anything. God damn. Confusing. (laughs) Very confusing. Very, very confusing. All right, let's move on. 
Anderson Cooper, as you just mentioned, sat with Donald Trump during this town hall meeting that took place. And uh, they got into this whole Heidi Cruz, Melania Trump issue that just won't seem to go away despite Donald Trump's best efforts. Just the last question before we do, I got to ask you about this back and forth between you and Senator Cruz uh, about wives. Uh, after saying that you were going to spill the beans about Heidi Cruz, you retweeted an unflattering picture of her next to a picture of your wife. I thought it was a nice picture of Heidi. I thought it was fine. Come on. I thought it was fine. She's a pretty you're, woman. You're running for president of the excuse United me, excuse States. Me. I didn't start it. Okay, that's, I didn't start uh, it. But, sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. No, it's not the, yeah, no, it's the, the argument, argument of a five-year-old. Is, excuse me. He started You it. would say that. That's the problem with our country. Every parent knows that's, a that's kid who a says he started Excuse me. No, no, no. That's, that, that's the problem. Exactly that thinking is the problem this country has. I did not start this. He sent out a picture, and he knew very well he it was a picture. He didn't send out a picture. It was a picture of a cover Sir Anderson. Super PAC. Was- Here's what I want you to recognize. Donald Trump, I want to preempt it so the audience can be listening for it. First of all, the fact of this matter is that ad that went out that was asking, is this what you want for the first lady of the United States, showing the partially nude Melania Trump in a GQ ad. I'm not making a judgment about that at all, about her doing the ad or them running the ad. But the ad was from an anti-Trump super PAC. It had nothing to do with the Cruz campaign. It is not a pro-Cruz super PAC. It's strictly an anti-Trump super PAC. Mm -hmm. So Donald Trump, knowing that information, is going to try to blame Ted Cruz. Anderson rebuffs it, and then he shifts back to... If it wasn't Ted Cruz, it was Mitt Romney. So he's just leveling accusations without any substantial evidence at all. He's just, of course, just fucking saying words. There's a cover story of a picture taken by Antoine Verglas, one of the great photographers of the world, by the way. My wife was a very, very, very successful, successful model, like one of the most. It was a picture for the cover of GQ, which is a decent, that. which is a very good magazine. This wasn't even a... Pro- it wasn't even a... Again, what <laughs> does this have to do with anything? Yeah. What does Melania's successful modeling career have to do with anything right. that we're talking about here? It's setting a fire. He's, it's a distraction from what the actual point is. You, if you raise enough points, enough things, enough words, some people will get distracted. Some people will... Oh, yeah, well, she, she was a model. Oh, oh. And then they think about the fact that the ad wasn't so great. They don't focus on the fact that Donald Trump is tweeting out pictures that are ridiculously unflattering of one woman that show his wife to be a beautiful photoshopped model. Right, and then going so far as to deny that, saying, oh, I thought it was a good picture of Heidi. Right, says the guy who says that women can't be tens if they're flat-chested. Right. Talks about people being fat constantly. Well, he wants to fuck his daughter. He's constantly saying negative things about women, and then he... He's acting like we are going to believe what he's saying, that this was a good picture of Heidi Cruz. Right. It was not a good picture of Heidi Cruz. She looked like she was on set of Twister. Okay, her hair was blowing all around. Right. No, it's not a good picture of her. You know that. It's next to this Photoshop picture of Melania. Well, he's a liar. He's flat out lying, and it's really disturbing.
pro they were uh, Romney super people. PAC. It was an anti-Trump super PAC. They were PAC. Romney people. Romney is, you know, very embarrassed that he did so badly four years ago. The guy choked like a dog. Do you have he lost proof that he sent that it out? Have, no, everybody knows he sent it out. He knew the people in the super PAC. He knew that I, I would be willing to bet he wrote the phrase, you know, this is, would you like to have this as your first lady? And a lot of people said, yes, actually, if you want to know the truth. But, but she was a, a magnificent model. She took a picture with one of the great photographers of the world. They put it on GQ. All of a sudden, we see this picture going all over to Utah just before the election. And by the way, but when he said, we had a big day, we won Utah. Excuse me. I won Arizona with far. All right, we're going to stop it there. It goes on for like another minute and a half of him talking about how well he's doing in the polls and how well he's done in certain states, which has nothing to do with answering the question that was asked. So question, how did you like Anderson Cooper's approach here? Oh my God. This is the way he needs to be dealt with. That's the answer of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. He started it. He started it. Shut the fuck up. Well, I love... You're a 69-year-old man who's running for the job of George Washington. Act accordingly. I love how he tried to say, no, you're being politically correct, Anderson. It isn't the argument of a five-year-old. Really, he did start it, okay? <laughs> this is just... I'm not being politically correct, okay? Uh, this is a political a political correctness issue. Well, listen, we've got three stories, that being the first about Donald Trump, and they get more serious as time goes on. The next involves a, a sit-down interview with Chris Matthews from MSNBC talking about if abortion were to be made illegal, should women be punished legally and face prosecution for having an abortion? And Donald Trump's answer is astounding. Should the woman be punished for having an abortion? Uh, look, uh, this is not something you can dodge. If, if you say like, abortion not, is a not, crime or abortion is murder, you have to deal with it under the law. Should abortion be punished? Well, people in certain parts of the Republican Party and conservative Republicans would say yes, they should be punished. How about you? Uh, I would say that it's a very serious problem, and it's a problem that we have to decide on. Uh, is it's very? But you're I mean, for are banning you it. Say, well, wait. Are you going to say put them in jail? Are you, is that? Well, the no. What I'm asking you, about? because you say you want to ban it. What's I, that mean? I, would, I am against. I am pro-life. Yes. What is ban? How do you ban abortion? How do you actually do it? Well, you know, you'll go back to a, a position like they had, where people will perhaps go to illegal places. Yeah. But you have to ban it. I'm you against... ban it, and they go to somebody who, who flunked out of medical way, school. Ca are you Catholic? Yes, I think I. I and how do you feel about the Catholic Church's well, position? I accept the teaching authority of my church on moral know, but, issues. But do you know their position on abortion? Yes, I do. And do you concur with that position? I concur with their moral position, but legally, I, know, I get but, to the but, question. Here's my problem. No, with no, it. but let me ask you. But what do you say about it's not funny. your church? Yeah, it's really not a funny thing. What do you say about your church? They're very, very strong. They're allowed to, but the churches make their moral judgments. But you running for president of the United States will be chief executive of the United States. Do you believe, no, but, in, but you're, do you believe you're, in punishment for abortion? Yes or no, as a principle? Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. Ten no, cents, ten years? I don't what? know. That I don't know. That well, why I don't not? Know. I don't you know. You take positions and everything else. I Frankly, I do take positions and everything else. It's a very complicated position. There has to be some form of punishment for the woman who has an abortion. Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is outside of the mainstream 
of even the Republican Party. Look, folks, abortion's not going anywhere. This goes to right-wing conservatives who want it to go away and think that there is still a legal path to have it go away. And this also goes to left-wing liberals who are fear that abortion is going to be made illegal again. It's not going to happen. Abortion is here to stay. And there should be and there will be no punishments levied against women or doctors. Donald Trump is a mook. He is an unbelievable. It, 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 it's My head splits open every goddamn day that I hear clips like this and that he is the front runner for the Republican Party. All right. Time for deep breathing exercise. Ah. Let's take a meditation break. No, we're not taking a meditation break. Okay, so Donald Trump... Shortly after saying this, went into panic mode behind the scenes and that is right. Crafted a very well. He didn't craft. Obviously, someone wrote it for him. Yes, he crafted <laughs> a statement that backpedaled on what he had said in fewer than twenty four hours. Right, and it said that he well fewer than like twelve hours <laughs> inside of the same day. Yes, and he said that the woman wouldn't be punished if in this hypothetical situation that abortion was illegal, that the doctor would be the one who would be punished. The doctor who performed the procedure. Asinine. That in this day and age, it's acceptable to have a candidate for president of the United States change his answer on a major issue. Right. And and listen, inside of 12 hours, there's all kinds of excuses I've been saying like, oh, Chris Matthews was firing rapid questions. He didn't know what to do. He didn't have time to think. Okay, well, we need a president who thinks on their feet. Right. And knows what he believes well enough to say and do the right things, even when he's under pressure. That's exactly right. So Donald Trump couldn't do that. And he showed how incapable he is in that moment. And unqualified. And still, (laughs) I've seen many people supporting what he said. Well, I think we all know Brittany Page. I love the poorly educated. I mean, come on. (laughs) We know what the deal is. All right, let's move on to our third and final Donald Trump story. What I believe to be the most important and the most scary is Donald Trump advocating for giving nuclear weapons to Korea, Japan, and worst of all, most scary of all, Saudi Arabia, which is controlled by Wahhabists and Islamists and has a fundamentalist, insane version of Islam that they follow than anybody else running. Let's talk about nuclear uh, issues because you talked about this in a really interesting article. One of the very, very big issues, uh, I think maybe the biggest issue of our time. That's what you said to the New York Times. You said you worried about uh, the proliferation of nuclear weapons the most. You also said, though, that you might support Japan and South Korea developing nuclear weapons of their own. Isn't that completely contradictory? No, not at all. Look, you have North Korea has nuclear weapons, and he doesn't have a carrier yet, but he's got nuclear weapons. He soon will have. We don't want to pull the trigger. We, we're just, you know, we have a president, frankly, that doesn't, nobody's afraid of our president. Nobody respects our president. You take a look at what's going on throughout the world. It's 
not the country that it was. But okay. if you're concerned about proliferation, no, 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 no. letting not, other countries no, no, get no. nuclear weapons, isn't we that We owe 19 trillion dollars. We have another two trillion because of the very, very bad omnibus budget that was just signed. It's a disgrace, which gives which gives everything that Obama wanted. We get nothing. They get everything. So that's going to be 21 trillion dollars. We are supporting nations now militarily. We are we are supporting nations like Saudi Arabia, which was making during the good oil days, which was a year ago. Now they're making less, but still a lot, a billion dollars a day. We are supporting them militarily and they pay us a fraction, a fraction of what they should be paying us and of the cost. We are supporting Japan. Most people didn't even know that. Most people didn't know that we are taking care of Japan's military needs. We're supporting Japan. But it's been we're supporting, policy. excuse me, excuse me. We're supporting Germany. We're supporting South Korea. I order thousands of television sets because I am in the real estate business, you know, my other life. Okay? It's been a U.S. policy, but, though, but, for decades to prevent Japan from getting well, nuclear weapons. That might be weapons. a policy, but South maybe, Korea you, well. can I be honest with you? Maybe it's going to have to be time to change because so many people, you have Pakistan has it, you have China has it. You have so many other countries. So now some proliferation it. is okay? No, no, not some. I hate proliferation. I hate nuclear more than any. My uncle was a professor at MIT, used to tell me about nuclear, used to tell but me about the problem. that's contradictory about Japan no, no, no. and South Look, Korea. At some point... How many countries have it? Iran is going to have it very, with but one of the worst. Excuse me. One of the dumbest deals I've ever seen signed ever, ever, ever by anybody. Iran is. I wish these reporters would say, hey, quit interrupting me. I'm asking you a question. Mm-hmm. Be a little bit more forceful. Don't allow him to. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. It, it is maddening. Is it just me or am I losing control of my goddamn faculties in anger over the continued they just let him run amok well you do seem pretty wound up i'm a little i'm a little fired up Brittany page is going to have it within 10 years iran is going to have it i thought it was a very good interview so you have no problem japan South South Korea having nuclear weapons uh at some point, we have to say, you know what? We're better off if Japan protects itself against this maniac in North Korea. We're better off, frankly, if South Korea is going to start to protect itself. Saudi Arabia we nuclear have to, weapons? Saudi Arabia, absolutely. You They're would making, be fine with them having nuclear weapons? No, not no, nuclear weapons, okay. but they have to protect themselves or they have to pay us. Here's the thing. With Japan, they have to pay us or we have to let them protect themselves. So, if, But if you say to Japan, yes, it's fine, you get nuclear weapons, South Korea, you as well, and Saudi Arabia says we can want I, them can too. Can I be honest with you? It's going to happen anyway. It's going to happen anyway. It's, it's only a question of time. They're going to start having them, or we have to get rid of them entirely. But you- So his argument is <laughs> they're going to get them anyway, right. so we might as well let them have them now. Well, I, the same argument could be made of fucking ISIS. It you, could be made of anything. Right. I mean, that is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Leading Republican for the office of the presidency of the United States. You have so many countries already, China, Pakistan, you have so many countries, Russia, you have so many countries right now that have them. Now, wouldn't you rather in a certain sense... Now, now he's just naming countries. I know countries, China, <laughs> Russia... Belgium, <laughs> France. I, I know countries. Ugh. Have Japan have nuclear weapons when North Korea has nuclear weapons? And they do have them. They absolutely have them. They can't, they have no carrier system yet, but they will very soon. Wouldn't you rather have Japan perhaps? They're over there. They're very close. They're very fearful of North Korea. And we're supposed to protect. So you're. So- I can't, I can't even take it. The guy is. Something needs to be done. If he gets, I mean, obviously, if he gets the nomination, I think there is 
an almost zero chance of him winning the presidency because of his negatives with women, his negatives with minorities, his negatives with right-thinking individuals like your humble host. <laughs> well, his his unfavorability rating in the Republican Party is huge. So huge. Yeah, huge. It's over 50% with women. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you can't But he's win. still winning, so I don't know. Well, but his 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 he's right now at 30% and it's main he has maintained that 30%. The ceiling. Right, he's hit it. He's not getting any more popular. He's not gaining any more votes. So, anyway, let's I'll take it down a notch and let's talk about Obama who recently gave a speech and kind of directed the media about, you know, how they should be covering this presidential election and these candidates. And good old Jay Tap, Jake Tapper from CNN, eh, kind of took issue with Obama maybe being the wrong messenger for to the media. Uh, President Obama last night offered a strong media critique telling us to hold presidential candidates accountable for what they say, question their policies, call out debatable claims. President Obama made many salient points. His message was a good one, but was President Obama the right messenger? The media critic in chief had some tough love for journalism Monday night. Because while fairness is the hallmark of good journalism, false equivalency all too often these days can be a fatal flaw. Imploring us to do a better job at covering campaign 2016. A job well done is about more than just handing someone a microphone. But it's to probe and to question and to dig deeper and to demand more. The president's criticisms were well said and quite apt. But for many journalists, the messenger was a curious one. Many believe that Obama's call for us to probe and dig deeper and find out more has been made far more difficult by his administration than any in recent decades. A far cry from the assurances he offered as he first took office. Transparency and the rule of law will be the touchstones of this presidency. Transparency? Quote, Obama hasn't delivered, ProPublica reporter Justin Elliott wrote in the Washington Post just a few days ago, calling the massive backlog of those seeking and failing to receive information from the government under the Freedom of Information Act, quote, a disaster under Obama's watch, with Obama officials aggressively lobbying against reforms proposed in Congress. An Associated Press study last year concluded that, quote, the Obama administration set a record again for censoring government files or outright denying access to them under the Freedom of Information Act. The Committee to Protect Journalists told CNN today the president has fallen well short of his promise, quote, seizing journalists' phone records and emails, the aggressive prosecutions of whistleblowers who leak classified information to the press, and the massive surveillance of communications have sent an unequivocal chilling message to journalists and their sources. The Obama administration has used the Espionage Act to go after more leakers and whistleblowers than all previous presidential administrations combined, despite official assurances otherwise. When classified information is leaked, that is a violation of the law. And it is a, uh, it is a serious matter. But if you're asking me whether the president believes that journalists should be prosecuted for doing their jobs, the answer is no. President Obama's advice for journalists Monday night was spot on, but... Mr. President, with all due respect, 
Post. When one of the Washington Post's editors involved in the coverage of Watergate says that your administration's attempt to fight leaks and control the media is, quote, the most aggressive I've seen since the Nixon administration, well, maybe, just maybe, your lecturing would be better delivered to your own administration. <laughs> Burn. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, listen, obviously they, they've got a dog in the fight here because they are the media. But uh, the freedom of speech and the freedom of the press is a fundamental right in the First Amendment of the Ten. The First Amendment. It wasn't the Tenth or the Twenty-Sixth. It's the very first one. It's important. And it is an alarming fact. And this isn't just a, a critique or a criticism of the Obama administration. This, this goes... It was bad with the Bush administration, but it's only getting worse with executive power that they, the Obama administration has used the Espionage Act of 1917. That's how old this is. It's 99 years old, and the Obama administration has used it to go after whistleblowers and journalists more. They've used it more than all of the previous 43 administrations combined. Well, I guess it wouldn't go back all the way because it's only 1917. But since Woodrow Wilson, that's that's alarming that this administration, that by the words of Obama himself, promised transparency and the rule of law as touchstones of his administration. Well... That's not the case. Mm -hmm. Transparency is not the case when you are going after journalists and whistleblowers who give journalists information. It's pretty disappointing. That is that is trying to squelch the freedom of the press, which is a fundamental aspect of being an American. But of course, what he means is, hey, the, hey, media, go after Donald Trump. <laughs> I would say so. That's what he wants. It's just it's tone deaf. And as much as I like the outcome or like the advice, it is, like JTAP said, eh, maybe it would be better coming from somebody else. JTAP. <laughs> All right. Let's end this wonderful episode, episode 206, with a little asshole of today. It's the asshole of today. So this is another story that's going to terrify you for your next <laughs> surgery or anytime you're knocked out in any sort of procedure in a hospital. Listen, when I go under the knife and I'm under anesthesia, I what I want most, even secondary to safety and professionalism, I like for nurses to be taking dick pics. A New York nurse who took pictures of an unconscious patient's penis turned in her nursing license, according to the New York State Education Department. Oh, boo. The state accepted Kristen Johnson's request to surrender her license, according to a March 17th statement. Johnson, quote, did not contest the charge of moral unfitness in the practice. She was arrested in May of 2015 after an investigation concluded that she took pictures of two patients at Upstate University Hospital in 2014. 
2014 and sent them to her co-workers. Wow. She initially faced a felony charge, but her sentence was reduced after she agreed to give up her license as a part of a plea deal. She will also serve three years probation for taking the unlawful surveillance pictures. What is the deal? Nursing is a helping profession. Don't these people go into this work because they have a passion for helping people? Or is it just a fucking paycheck? I See, I can't stop being fired up. Why did you choose this story? Uh, <laughs> I don't tell people I, I chose blame, this story. I blame you. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't really understand this either. Because like you said, this is a helping profession. Right. And not only that, you're sending it to your coworkers. I mean, this isn't the kind of environment that you should be creating within a hospital where you're helping people. I mean, this is someone who's unconscious under your care. Right. And you're taking a picture of their penis. Yeah. That is just so egregious. I. It really is. What are I, you thinking? I'm clearly not clearly. I mean, but typically when this has been in the news, we get some deets as to what was going on. Like the size of the dick? Well, just, I mean, <laughs> if something if something was wrong with it or... A little curvy? Like it looked like an apostrophe? The well, dick. I don't remember. We've talked about these stories before. And didn't they, you know, say that they took the picture for a reason? Like something was going on or... I don't remember that. I, I know the particular case you're talking about. There were the, some deets that were, were revealed. Like there was a conversation that was had. In, they were making fun of him. Yeah, he, he had his iPhone running in this other case. And they were making fun of what a pussy he is and like saying terrible things about him while he was under the knife. Right. Which is terrifying. <laughs> right. Of course. These people are caring for, for you at your most vulnerable moment. Well, you want them to be tuned. You Listen, you're at risk. I had my tonsils taken out in my mid 20s mm-hmm. and I had the doctor tell me, look, one and he I goes, I have to tell you, uh, you know, the d- disclosures and whatnot. Uh, that one in 26,000 people who are anesthetized end up in death. Mm-hmm. And he goes, don't worry. I've, this is, I've done 25,999 <laughs> with no problem. He did not tell you that. <laughs> he for sure did. He was making a joke. It was funny. I thought it no, was funny. No, it's not funny. I thought it was very funny. But you want, when you're under, because it is a serious thing, you can die. You want the people who are giving you surgical care to be consummate professionals. It's like my experience that I had when I I was 16 and getting my appendix out. I was hysterical because my mom was hysterical and she like wanted a second opinion. And it's an emergency situation. Yeah, Let's she, take time for a referral. She <laughs> was stressing me out. So I thought I was in danger. And the anesthesiologist said, you know, what's your biggest fear? For some reason, I don't Public know. Public speaking? <laughs> I know, like wanting me to talk about what I'm afraid of. So the last thing I remember, I know we've talked about this before, is me saying, I'm scared I'm going to die. And that was like the last th- and die was just prolonged because I was going out. Uh, I think that has been a final drop for the show. Yeah, but don't ask that question right before you put someone out right. when they're crying because they're afraid they're going to die. <laughs> okay? It's just tone deaf. Just for future reference. Yeah. So this nurse, asshole of today, definitely. What was her name again? Um, Kristen Johnson. Well, wow. So there's thousands. Yeah, thousands of Kristen Johnsons. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
All right, everybody. Well, that's it. We've informed you of the asshole of today and the asshole of the of the lifetime, Donald Trump. Uh, of if, the lifetime. Of the lifetime. <laughs> of, of my lifetime, certainly. I mean, I wasn't alive during Hitler, but I could say that Donald Trump is probably a pretty big asshole. All right, but we're gonna we're gonna leave you there. We appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening twice a week or as often as you do. If you'd like to support the show, other than listening that twice a week, you can do so by going to dollamore.com and on the left hand side of the page, there is still a link there, just like there was last episode. There still is the link there that you can go to to support the show. There's Patreon, there's PayPal, there's all kinds of different ways. We would love for you to partner with us in moving the conversation forward. It means a lot, and it helps us tremendously to take a word from Donald Trump. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt. The Bible has a more nuanced view of slavery 